You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today, as we're as we're getting ready for fall deer season to open up, we're talking about how to pick an opening day stand location. So opening day, there's a lot of different variables than once you're into season things kind of change and so we talked through that some of the the thought process we go through for picking an opening day stand but before we get into that i want to talk about our sponsor mastin's deer sense so mastin's is a deer scent company and they're also a predator scent company with lots of cool and interesting scent products they of course have your liquid scent we just recently restocked up on our, our liquid scents to get ready for the fall season. And they've also got things like scented gel crystals, scented candles, like deer scented candles. You can use that in their what they call their double scent stacker, which allows you to layer scents. It, uh, it uses their deer scented candles to, to then heat some of their liquid scent. Allows you to run two scents at once. It heats the scent, makes it more realistic. So lots of cool stuff. And you've heard me say before, the prices are really, really good. So check them out, mastinsdeersense.com. Browse around their site, see what they have to offer. Check out those prices. And if you find something you like, you can place your order right there on the website and they'll ship it to your house. So with that... We'll get into the conversation one more time. Check them out, mastinsdeersense.com. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so with uh, deer season fast approaching, we thought it would be timely to talk about how to pick an opening day deer stand, whether you know whether you're hunting out of a deer stand or out of a ground blind or just hunting on the ground. Where where should you set up? What are some things to take into consideration to hopefully have opening day success? So I, I think everybody is pretty well. Maybe not. I don't know. It depends on how how new you are to to hunting. But uh, generally, there's you know phases of deer season where deer are doing different things, right? One you know most notably, right, is the rut, right? Deer do very different things during the rut than they do when it's they're just regular survival mode. Deer do different things when they start feeling hunting pressure so you know i guess one thing i'll start off with is 
opening day could be very different than like the second because it always opens on a weekend right archery season in ohio opens on a weekend right so the second weekend i would say could be very different than opening weekend while it's not you know time-wise that far apart depending on the hunting pressure in your area the deer may be doing bedding feeding in very different places than they were just one weekend ago would would you guys agree with that yeah Yeah, absolutely i think the way that deer season you know the time of year that bow season comes in in ohio um can be a very frustrating time for people because the deer naturally want to sort of change their patterns right around that time Mm -hmm. plus you add the hunting pressure you know because uh a lot of things are happening naturally around that time you know the the soybeans are browning or at least yellowing um You know, the first frost is right around then. There's a lot of natural factors that isn't hunting pressure that wants to change the deer's pattern. And then you have hunting pressure as well. So, you know, it early season can be very frustrating because, you know, you have this deer patterned all summer. You know, this big buck patterned all summer. And, you know, maybe three days before season starts, he disappears or, you know, maybe you get a shot at him, you know, that that first weekend and then he changes his pattern, you know. Yep. Yeah, I think that that so if you're if you're hunting in farm country that the, the soybean trap, you know, I think probably messes with a a lot of people just because like like you said jeff every day they're out there right you see them you're getting trail camera pictures maybe you know you've got a you can see them from the road you can see them from some sort of access path you know every day clockwork they're out there and then that shift happens the beans start to yellow and that happens right around or can happen it you know it depends on what uh you know when things were planted and that kind of thing but it it always seems to happen right there as seasons getting ready to open and the deer go and do different things i know you know not at grandma and grandpa's like i know that's bitten me once or twice you know, it's like, oh, there's tons of sign. This is, it's perfect. And then it's not. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think part of it plays in too. You see all these hunting TV shows where it's like, hunt over beans, hunt over beans, hunt over the beans, plant a flu, plant a food plot. And guys are like, oh, I don't need to plant one. The farmer does it for me. I'll just hunt the edge and hunt over the beans. But there's, a big difference between different types of beans as to when they green up and when they're palatable to the deer. Yeah. 
So if you're planting a food plot to hunt deer over, you plant a different type of bean than your commercial farmer bean that at that time of year, you know, opening weekend in Ohio, the end of September, they're not yellowing and browning. They're still lush green bean. You know, they're still able to enjoyable at that point. So it makes a big difference. So if you didn't, I guess don't know that and just assume a beans, a beans, a bean, you can really get yourself in quite the trap. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, the advice to, you know, beans are, are a great, uh, attractant for deer. You know, a lot of times that ends up being late season hunting after the beans are dried and brown. And a lot of the other food sources are, are, consumed or maybe they're not consumed but but that like the calories the the i don't know if it's carbohydrates or protein or whatever in the beans but it's a good source of whatever the deer need that late season when they're trying to you know keep their metabolism up stay warm beans can be a great attractant late season but most most ag situations right those they are cutting the beans and and sending them on their way long before that yeah because i've i've tried to you know feed deer beans you know soybeans like corn you know uh put out a bean well scatter you know soybeans around and yeah you'd be surprised how little the deer bother them you know they they're not palatable to the deer really or interesting to the deer until pretty late in the season right you know all you know fall they're really not interested they don't care about those beans yeah so i guess uh don't fall for the bean trap Um, so I guess that brings us to, well, what, what should you be doing? So I think one thing that can be very helpful, if it's a property that you've hunted historically and you've had, you've been running cameras, go back and look at your trail camera pictures and see if you can determine like, Oh, hey, for for all of September or, you know, early to mid-September, I've been getting pictures of deer going this way. And you can kind of put some things together, put some puzzle pieces together, figuring, okay, they're going to this food source, maybe a bean field, you know, maybe some sort of crop field. But then you get into the end of September and all of a sudden they're traveled patterns change and you know use that uh, i guess maybe to summarize it up here use historical knowledge to figure out when they make that shift what are they shifting to right maybe it's maybe some of those early acorns are starting to fall and they're looking for acorns or apples or you know things like that i, I guess high level 
they're still on a bed to feed bed to feed pattern it's not really cold so they don't need i mean they may not be out in the middle of the day they may be out early because there's no pressure but they don't have as big of a need to be feeding to survive they're not in survival mode yet so I, I guess historically look at your historical knowledge your historical information to see if you can figure out where that new travel pattern or maybe that new food source is and try to make a game plan from that is that uh something you guys would consider yeah yeah i mean the other thing i guess depending on what your goals and objectives are but i mean if you're someone who likes to fill the freezer first thing then dough bedding areas are always going to be a place to hunt um you know those generally don't change a ton throughout the year i mean they change a little bit as the food may change if it's somewhere where food is a little more scarce but uh generally i would say most of ohio this time of year food isn't scarce and that doesn't really change until much later in the season when all the leaves and stuff you know everything starts kind of dying off and dormanting for the winter so that plays into the the pressure conversation though because i would say that doe bedding can or will change as that pressure ramps up in the fall. yeah yeah that's true as more guys yeah if you're in a highly pressured area then definitely people walking through the bedding areas or trying to do what you're trying to do set up on the bedding area it definitely could push them out that's for sure but um you know so you could identify that though at least to know i mean i kind of what you hear everywhere summer scouting but um you know if you know where the deer are you're a leg up than if you just go out there opening day and have never stepped foot in your woods or you know but like you said if it's a historical property you've been on it you know where the deer bed you know where the deer travel you know their corridors uh that stuff generally doesn't change unless there's a reason for it to change right so if you have a pinch point that you've, you know, you've been walking through the woods and it looks like a highway of deer tracks, more than likely, if you set up on that, deer are going to come through there unless something has changed to cause them to stop. And that could be too much pressure. That could be a huge tree came down in a storm, which diverts them 50 yards down where they cross that creek or whatever. Um, you know, there's things that you can't really identify until you put boots on the ground and walk around. Um, but I would recommend not walking around right before season starts. You know, if you do want to get boots on the ground, you're pushing your limit at this point. By the time this episode releases, it'll probably be too late. But, um, you know, a general consensus, I would say most people like to say three or four weeks at least. Um, stay out of the woods areas you're going to be hunting just to keep that pressure off so you can kind of get that surprise when opening day does roll around yeah uh, you got a you unique know, and, opportunity with opening day right right but the flip side of that is 
and I'm guilty of this. Um, we, you know, we wait all year to get in the woods and chase deer, especially if you got a big buck on camera. Um, the flip side of that is if your conditions don't align with what you would consider good hunting conditions, it's not always the best decision to jump in the woods that Saturday of opening day. You know, if it's going to be 87 degrees and wrong wind direction or whatever, if it's everything that you don't want for hunting, um, it may be better just to wait if, you know, if the weather's going to change. I know that's easier said than done, and I'm not the best at it, but that's another thing. Um, a lot of times, if, especially if you're talking a big mature buck, you only get one chance um, or very few chances. So if you go go in sweating your butt off, stinking the whole place up, that deer's not going to stick around on that same pattern, and you're going to lose it. You know, It's going to go somewhere else. It's not going to be on the pattern that you've had it on or where you expect it to be. Yeah. As we're getting ready for deer season to open, one of the things that that we use and have used successfully, you even hear us talk about it in this episode, is using bait, corn, feed as a hunting tactic. So Monster Whitetail Grub has great product that uh, helps you do that. We've had good success with it with their signature Monster Whitetail Grub feed. It's a high-protein feed. The deer really like it. They've also got flavored corn options as well as just straight mineral. So lots of different options to choose from. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors. There you'll find a link to get in touch with them. There may be a retail location near you where they carry it. If not, you can order direct from Monster White Toe Grub. They got you covered. So check them out. Like I said, we've had really good success with the stuff, and I think you will too. So with that, we're going to get back into the episode. One thing I'll add on the temperature thing, you know, I would say look at what it's been leading up to that date. Like if it's a, if you're, if it's a big temperature spike, it's been in the seventies and then all of a sudden, you know, like Jake said, it's going to be 86 or something. The deer might lay around a little longer, but that early season, right? The deer are used to hot, right? It's been hot. They've been getting up, you know, and feeding. So just because it's not 40 degrees, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that's a, a, an entire reason to stay out of the woods, but to Jake's point, like, yeah, if you see a big temperature spike the day you were planning to hunt, it might put a damper on the deer movement that day. And I know it's a, you know, it's opening day. It's exciting. You, you want to get out there, but you know, you got to kind of weigh your options because you've got, you've got that, right. If the deer don't get up and move, then you don't have a shot at them. You, you may be doing more harm than good, but you've got this very short, you know, probably, two day window before the deer kind of figure out like, Oh, hunting season's back, you know, and I'm sure they don't, (laughs) they don't think that, right. They don't, they're, you know, right. Anthropomorphizing or, or whatever the word would be, but that, you know, there's just guys in the woods doing things they haven't been doing. Something's different. 
I need to bed in a different area. I need to be more cautious. There's just more human scent around. And so you've got to kind of, you've got to kind of weigh your options as far as is the weather bad enough, let's say, probably meaning too hot to where, you know, abnormally hot to where the deer are just going to wait till after dark. You know, they're not going to deal with the cooking sun. Or maybe if it is hot, maybe you can find like a low-lying area that's shaded in the evening where, you know, it's by a creek, it's it's cooler, something like that. Those are all good things to kind of keep in mind. All right. But yeah, the 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 other thing I'll say, if you are hunting and you've got the ability to put corn out, that can also be a great opening day strategy because that as long as you keep the corn out that food source isn't going to change it's you know they're used to the little bit of human scent especially if you've been doing it for you know past couple months kind of leading up to deer season or or a month leading up to deer season like yep there's some human scent around here but there's also corn around here you know, never really, that human scent never really turns into anything bad. That could be a great way to have opening day or opening weekend success. I think, Jake, you've used that tactic in the past, right? Successfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, that's, in Ohio, you're allowed to put corn out. Um, I mean, not on public land, but private land you're allowed to put corn out and use it as an attractant um you know that's up to the personal hunter as to what their level of comfort is with baiting versus attractant versus you know whether you hunt over the corn pile directly or whether you put corn up out of range and then try to pick a path the deer is going to take to approach the corn i mean that's all up to personal preference and how you like to hunt and what you get out of your hunt but um it definitely i mean we'll put them on a very regimented schedule to where um like you said that food source isn't going to change as long as you don't change it as long as you keep putting the corn out and keep the corn out for them um they know it's there if you you know, if you're smart about where you put it, they know it's safe. They know they're comfortable going to it. They're familiar with it. Um, that pattern definitely won't change until pressure really ramps up, um, whether that's your pressure or your neighbor's pressure or whatever. But that's a pretty constant. Yeah. And I think that's a great tool or tactic if you have young kids, right? I mean, like you can set up a ground blind, start putting corn out. And if you're looking at, you know, getting a young kid a deer, you know, odds are you're at least going to see some deer, you know, whether or not they come in close enough for a shot or they, they pick up some movement or noise or, or whatever, you know. But that's a that's a great tool, great way to kind of get kids hooked, right? Like, yeah. oh, this is so exciting, right? We saw all these deer and. I mean, you you can even, you know, the first deer comes in and whatever, fidgeting, nerves, whatever, that deer blows out of there. 
that doesn't mean your hunt's over at that point, especially in those early seasons. You know, it's like just let's just sit tight and wait, and there's a good chance either that deer comes back or another group of deer come in. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I guess anyone who's been a long term listener, at least up to last season, I mean, my daughter and I had a hunt where it was she had went with me the year before, so she had seen deer and um watched me, you know, was in the blind while I shot a deer, but last year I set her up on the crossbow and um exactly that happened. I mean, she as what happens, nerves she missed the first shot, um, shot under the deer. We were able to get out of the blind, check for blood, find an arrow. You know, I was pretty confident she had missed by how the deer reacted, but you never know. Um, you know, found the blood or no blood, found the arrow. And I said to her, you know, do you want to go sit back down in the blind? Are you done or what's up? And she goes, oh, we can go sit back down. Well, we were able to sit back in the blind. Again, this was over corn and an hour later maybe deer came back and that time she didn't miss you know so it's like you said it's a good way to get young kids hooked or the excitement get the jitters get the heart beating um you know especially the last thing you want to do is you know push your kid away because they're not you know it's just like fishing the best way to teach a kid to fish is go to a stocked pond (laughs) you know what i mean go somewhere where they're gonna get bites they're gonna catch fish they're gonna have action if you send them to a pond or you know a lake that is heavily fished and the fish know all the tricks and they know better that's boring you know one wants to sit there and watch a bobber and do nothing (laughs) you know so it it you got to keep the action up, keep them entertained, especially if you want to, you know, want them to keep doing it again. Um, and early season's a great time to get kids out because it's not cold yet. Yep. So. Yeah, I know I plan I plan on taking um, my daughter out probably opening day. Um, and seeing what happens. So. She's excited. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. So the other thing that we, you know, we kind of talked about is, you know, that, that sign, finding that, that sign, trying to stay out of the woods, especially if it's a small piece of private, um, trying to stay out of the woods those weeks leading up to opening day. That's one benefit if you don't have historical knowledge or, you know, whatever work schedule, I get it, right? You didn't have time to make the hour drive to your hunting property or the piece of public you plan to hunt or whatever. That's one of the benefits of having some sort of mobile hunting setup or being comfortable hunting from the ground, kind of finding a a place to tuck back into the brush, whether it's, you know, when I say mobile, whether it's a, a climbing tree stand, some sort of lightweight hang on stand with sticks, a, a saddle, something to where you can just walk in it's hard to do in the dark in the morning but for an afternoon hunt like you can walk in and with your topo satellite image information and what you're seeing on the ground as far as 
active trails, active sign, find a place to set up versus, you know, going in, say, the beginning of September, looking at sign that time of year and setting up pre-hung stands. To, To Jake's point earlier, some of that, like, travel corridor stuff, fence gaps, like, uh, you know, a lot of that or some of that may stay the same. But, you know, what looks like hot sign or a hot food source September 1 may be a very, you know, may look very different come, you know, whatever, September 28th. Yeah, I think the closer you can find a travel corridor or pinch point, to bedding, you know, the more likely that trail is to be used um, because they, they're going to go to the bedding. The bedding will probably stay the same for a little bit where the food source that they're going to may change. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Try to find, try to backtrack the trails back to where the bedding is. And that can even be a little tricky because without the pressure, the hunting pressure, just the human scent in the woods, deer may be comfortable bedding in places that they wouldn't after they start to get some hunting pressure, right? They may, they may be comfortable coming and laying just off the field. You know, if you got an ag field or something, if it's, you know, you got some thick, like a thick band right there or something. They may be comfortable doing that. But you add that pressure, you know, it changes things. So I guess long story short, sort of follow those trails away from the bedding and see if you can identify where they're, or did I say away from bedding? Away from food source? Follow trails away from the food source and see if you can figure out where a bedding is where bedding is and a good place to sort of intercept between bedding and food anything else that we're missing on this one anything else you guys want to add well one um another good place i've found early is i'm trying to pinch points of woods you know, like the deer like to, in early season, really stay in the woods. Like they don't really want to walk out in the hot sun. You know, so they like kind of that thick canopy woods. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a place that's got a pinch point, you know, there's only a little bit, you know, a little band of woods. Um that's another good place, you know, because no matter where they're coming from or going to, you know, they might come through that pinch point. Yeah. Would you say, like, if you have an inside corner of woods, like, how do I explain that? Think of a rectangular ag field, and let's say, like, the top right corner is all woods so i'm thinking you know 30 yards inside the woods on that corner 
maybe a good spot to set up, right? They're going to, they can border that field inside the woods or maybe just, you know, depending on how the shades fall and the sun's falling, it may be right on the field edge, but then that, that corner there, good chance that there's going to be a trail there somewhere, you know, within bow range, would you say, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. I corners, um, I mean, another good place early is like creek corridors, you know, because you they're usually down and a lot of times they're they can be the only woods around. You know, if you're, yeah, you know, especially connecting to two two patches of woods. Right. You know, and you know usually early it's it's hot and just being in the shade the shade of the trees can make those deer a lot more comfortable yeah or i mean or even being close to that like flowing water you know generally like if you've been out scouting right and you get down in a in a creek bottom a lot of times that's cooler down there you know, kind of like your 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 dog will lay on like the cool sand, cool shaded sand on a you know creek bank or something. Deer are kind of looking for similar scenarios, right? I don't know that they, you know, want to be on like a long straight section of creek where things can see them for a long way away, and they certainly don't want to lay in water. But those cooler areas early season when when things are hot or good or can be good uh good things to kind of key in on yeah that's one thing i've been seeing a lot of this summer that i don't remember seeing as much in the past is deer actually walking down the creek down creeks you know i can't count how many times this summer i've been driving over a bridge or whatever and look down the creek and there's deer you know walking straight down the creek yeah Hmm. yeah so i don't know i think that's kind of what i've got to say as far as uh opening day kind of tips and tricks things to think about things to avoid um it's hard to give you know, super specific advice because everybody's situation is different, right? With with hunting pressure, how big of a piece of property are you in farm country? Are you in timber country? Are you in a mix of farm? And, you know, Ohio has a lot of different sort of landscapes, right? Hill country in Southeast Ohio, you know, very heavy ag country in Northwest Ohio, you know, and everything sort of in between. <clears throat> But I think those kind of key principles or, or things to consider are can kind of get you headed in the right direction, I'd say. So anything else you guys thought of in the last minute or two? Uh, yeah, one other thing that I thought of is something to avoid, and that would be any standing stagnant water that's going to breed mosquitoes. <laughs> From experience. Yes. 
you can't tell, Jacob is scarred for life. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure if you're going to be hunting near water or any mosquito bed that it's moving water that's not going to breed the mosquitoes because I made that mistake and um, it's miserable to hunt and get attacked by mosquitoes. really ruins the hunt for you. So. Yeah. Um, or plan on you know. going hard with the bug spray or or the thermosel or something and just yeah. you know really plant wind. Yeah. Where that smells going. But that's my last parting yeah. advice. Because there's probably some people that that's all they've got to hunt, right? I mean, like that's they just live in a low lying area and right. If they're gonna hunt early season, they're gonna have to deal with mosquitoes and you know. It's either sit out there and get chewed on. <laughs> Maybe you wear, uh, well, I don't know how well that would work if you were, you know, using a, a like a compound bow, one of those like mosquito head nets. You know, you see people wear with, like the wide brim hat with the, the the screening, whatever the mesh that hangs down over your head. I don't know, <laughs> but certainly like any type of, because I I didn't experience it as bad as Jacob that that one hunt, but. If you're, you know, if you wear any kind of like a, a neck gaiter, head scarf, head mesh, whatever for early season, if it fits tight to your head, it ain't really gonna protect you. There, you know, no. they'll get you through it, or at the very least, the sound of them buzzing around your ears is enough to make you crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good way to ruin your hunt you've been waiting all you know summer for is to yeah. get carried away by mosquitoes so yeah definitely have a plan in place if there's mosquitoes and you know that's kind of person specific and property specific but if it's a heavy mosquito property i would make sure you have a plan in place to avoid the mosquitoes because they love that time of year <laughs> yeah yeah i think my piece of closing advice is unless you have very good intel um on deer avoid hunting the morning really early early season um because more times than not you're going to spook deer walking in you know those deer are going back to their bedding basically when you're going into the woods and you're going to spook them walking in yeah, and not see deer. And then you just educated them where if you can hold off to the evening, go hunt the evening, you know, you have a much better chance of catching them by surprise. You know, you're already set up, you're sitting there, you're waiting and they come walking by. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. <clears throat> and you just got to get up so early. <laughs> early season, you know. But, yeah. All right, so that's it for this week. Hopefully there was something in there that helps you out as we get into deer season here. Hopefully it helps you 
you know, if you're kind of waffling between two different stand locations, maybe there was something in there that kind of swayed you one way or the other. If not, maybe it just gave you some things to think about that that you haven't thought about in the past. So with that, we're going to switch this one off. As always, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And as always, for the second time, we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.